Hello, hello. My name is Jess, and this is Patient POV, the podcast where we talk about all things chronic health and uh, finding support with each other. And so today we have Mariah, and she is going to be talking about her experience with endometriosis and pelvic floor dysfunction, um, as long as as well as a few other diagnoses. Um, so I am working hard to get these. Uh, podcast recorded right now. Um, so I think I have about 16 episodes being recorded within the next two or three weeks. So it's going to be a lot of um, fun recording and chatting with a bunch of people um, in a short period of time. And so uh, I think it's going to be a very busy week staying on top of school and um, just, just chugging along, uh, getting stuff done. So I appreciate you guys listening and um, all your support. So just remember to subscribe or you can follow me at Jess underscore and underscore Elda. Um, you can also find us on YouTube or TikTok um, at Patient POV and you're listening to Patient POV. Wonderful. Well, I hope you guys all have a great week and thank you so much for listening in and, and supporting me. So thanks. Hope you have a great week. Hello, hello. How are you today? Hi, Jessica. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming and joining us today. Do you want to just jump right in and, and give us a little introduction on who you are and kind of your health journey background sort of thing? Yeah. So my name is Mariah Battaglia. I am Indodula on Instagram. Um, I have a, what seems to be like a continual, like, list of diagnoses. Um, my main thing is that I have um, deep infiltrating endometriosis. Um, I also have adenomyosis and pelvic floor dysfunction, um, along with some, a couple of mental health diagnoses as well, um, like PTSD, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. um, which I think like also just come along with living with chronic illness, especially in this society that doesn't understand a whole lot about it. Um, but I am a dog mom and a wife. Um, I run a blog and a website um, and a chronic illness support group for people with endometriosis. And I am, what else? Very passionate about the chronic illness space and I'm glad to be here. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And so where can people find the um, blog and the support group that you were just mentioning? Yeah, so um, my website is bestworstclub.com. Um, and if you go there, you can head to the tab and under Clubhouse. Um, the Clubhouse is where our like private group space is. Wonderful. That's really awesome. And so what made you want to start that group? Um, definitely the lack of support, just like finding it so hard to even like be able to talk about endometriosis with anyone else. Um, I've felt like number one, I had to do this like whole lecture of like what endometriosis actually is for anyone to even like understand what I'm talking about or like begin to think of how to support me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then two, 
is that endometriosis is so hard to get diagnosed that I literally felt like I was losing my mental sanity, losing like who I was um, trying to go through that process. And the endo community online was, has been such a resource for me and like such a lifeline for me. And seeing that other people were on such similar journeys was like one of the only things that helped me like keep my head above water. And so I just want to be that space for other people. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. And so you're mentioning that it's like really hard to get diagnosed with endometriosis and that there's like a lot of misinformation. Um, Why do you think it is hard to get diagnosed? If you want to give maybe a little overview of like what endometriosis is in case anybody's new listening. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to talk about that. Um, So let's start with like what endometriosis actually is, because that's part of why it's so hard to get diagnosed. Um, Endometriosis for an extremely long period of time and in some spaces still today um, is considered a working women's disease. And it was thought of, yeah, it was thought to be a reproductive issue that stemmed from women, women waiting. So like waiting to have children or not having children. That is false. (laughs) That is completely false. It is not a reproductive disease. It has nothing to do with having children or not having children, other than the fact that one of the symptoms or one of the side effects, I should say, can be infertility. Um, But it's not, it doesn't correlate in the sense that has been portrayed. Um, So in medical textbooks, it is still thought to be a reproductive disease and considered to be um, like a menstrual issue. It is not. It is, has finally, like just recently, I believe as last year, been reclassified to be acknowledged that it is a whole body inflammatory disease that presents um, with adhesions, um, endometriomas, which are also known as chocolate cysts. Um, It also like develops scar tissue. Um, It affects organ function. It causes severe pain. Um, It's been found on every organ in the body. It's been known to collapse lungs. It is a very devastating disease. That is still seen as a period issue when you go to the doctor. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I believe that part of that, the reason of that is like, well, number one, we all know that our medical system is like steeped in misogyny. Like (laughs) women, the female body wasn't even included in medical studies. Mm -hmm. For I don't I think it wasn't until um, like 1991. Like, yeah, in pain, um, yeah, pharmacology, uh, re- medical research, like drug testing for pain um, drugs, it wasn't included until the 90s. Yeah, like somewhere in the 90s for females to be, yeah, to be included in this research because they assumed that um, their menstrual cycle would ruin the results. And I was like, but we would be having menstrual cycles if we were on this medication anyway. So yeah, that's what (laughs) it's absolutely mind blowing to me every time I think about that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. It really. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's part of why it's so hard to get diagnosed. Yeah. The flip side, the, like not the flip side, the other part to why it's so hard to get diagnosed is because there isn't like a blood test. You can't go get an ultrasound and have it show up. I should note that like with an asterisk because there is more research and um, training coming out to help people be able to identify it through ultrasound. But that takes such a high level of understanding of what endometriosis is that that's not the average experience mm -hmm. of a patient going into their gynecologist and getting an ultrasound done. Right. And so an average gynecologist, would you say that they are typically equipped with the knowledge and understanding um, to be able to deal or diagnose with endometriosis? No, they are very unequipped. Hmm. But that is the place that most of us start. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, most of them will still define endometriosis as a period issue. Um, and part of that is because the, it, the definition of endometriosis for so long was that uter um, the tissue, the lining of your uterus grows outside of your uterus. Right. And right. So, and then through research, they have found that the endometriosis tissue, like down, you know, they looked at it, studied it in a microscope and found that it is not the same as the lining of your uterus. That's why, right. And that difference is so, so important. That's why there have been 20 cases of cisgender men having endometriosis. That's why you can have a hysterectomy and still have endometriosis. That's why birth control doesn't work. Hmm. All of this is still the way that it's treated. Right. Right. So you just end up in this like terrible cycle yeah. of the doctors not knowing, you know, and then you get labeled like a combative patient because you're pushing back and you're coming in saying like, no, that's not right. Right. Yeah. Cause a lot of doctors can't, there's some doctors who can't handle the questioning what they're saying of I'm asking more questions, asking you to dive deeper into what you're saying and coming in with research can also be viewed as not, um, not always the best, but that I do appreciate you going into that in depth. That was really awesome. Um, we've had a few people who've had endometriosis come on and, and they've explained what they're doing and how, how they are, but this is the most in-depth medically side of things that we've gone into. And so I really appreciate this background, which is amazing as well as a contribution to this. Um, so jumping back to you in your kind of daily life, what would you say some of your um, challenges are? And if you have any coping strategies with that, that kind of side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. For one thing, um, that is something is like a pillar to all of my advocacy um, because it is so important. It's like the the piece that you need to ensure that you're getting treatment that will actually benefit in some way mm -hmm. um, and avoiding some really scary and devastating treatments that get pushed on us as well. Um, so for me, some of my biggest daily struggles are chronic pain, um, specifically pelvic, abdominal, um, and back pain. Mm. Um, that is pretty consistent, like 
every moment of every day. Um, it just kind of changes the severity. Um, and then the other thing that is extremely challenging is fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anyone with a chronic illness that has that side effect knows like fatigue is not the same as being tired. <laughs> like you can sleep for 12 hours a night, like solid sleep and wake up fatigued. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other really big like symptom that causes a lot of like disrupt to my daily living um, has to do with like digesting, going to the bathroom, um, nausea, eating, feeling like I want to vomit a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that that is really those things are really hard to like function outside of my home. Um, my home is my safe place. Um, that's one thing that I is a coping skill that I've done is I've really created my home to be my safe place. Um, I have, you know, like my heating pad always out. I have, I always have Epsom salts in the house. Hmm. Um, that is like a hot bath is one of my go-to things, especially like when my heating pad isn't enough, like it, it isn't hot enough, or there's too many areas of my body that hurts. I go to the bath. Um, and so developing coping skills has been kind of challenging because I think I was so focused for so long on just getting diagnosed, just getting somebody to believe me and like getting that answer that I like, I wasn't developing coping skills then. So I feel like that has been the stage that I'm at now. Um, I do go to therapy. That's been a big one. Um, I also am a daily cannabis user. I don't know what I would do without that. Um, It is so helpful for pain and for trying to eat Mm -hmm. and for sleeping. Um, Yeah. Anything else that I should mention? coping skills out yeah that's kind of what we were talking about the challenges and coping skills if if that's good that's good oh I do I have another so one one thing with endometriosis and I'm sure there's some other conditions that can relate to this it is so um changing like even throughout the day like I could wake up in the morning and feel pretty okay and then by like the afternoon or evening be in like a flare you know, and not being able to function the way that I was in the morning. And that is one of the hardest things to cope with, especially like existing in the real world. (laughs) It's hard to explain to people. It's hard to schedule things. It's hard to work. Oh my God, like so hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that I would say like the up and down of it, the unpredictability of it is one of the most difficult things to cope with. No, for sure. And I, I, I get that as well as the unpredictability. It makes things terribly hard to schedule and plan and, and decide what you're going to do and go out and not be a little bit worried that things might not go so well, or things will be fine and those different types of things for sure. And so if we're looking at your day-to-day life, what would be like a day in the life be like with you if there is some form of consistency, what it would look like. Um, yeah, 
I would say that there is some form of consistency because the symptoms are pretty much always like I experience the same symptoms and it's pretty cyclical. It's just the severity of things change. Uh, So for me, usually the mornings are kind of rough. And I like if I do have to get up and leave the house like in the morning, I have to give myself a good like two hours to be able to kind of try to get everything somewhat manageable, Um, you know, in like drink water, stretch. I have to stretch every day, even though it hurts some days. I have found that my pain is worse if I don't do it. Um, especially like after a flare, after a few days of not moving, you know, literally just being stuck in bed. Um, that's one of the things that like helps me keep going. Um, I try to eat breakfast, but that's usually really hard. Mm. Um, and I skip that a lot. (laughs) That is in the morning is when I'm the most nauseous. That Mm. is like peaks, um, for some reason. And then I attempt to do whatever I have to like, you know, like actually responsibilities throughout the day. Um, but there's always also managing the symptoms. So even, even if it's like, if I'm grocery shopping that day, or I do, um, I have to go to work that day, there is some level of planning and managing my symptoms, especially when I'm going to leave the house. Um, so like bringing a portable heating pad um, having lidocaine patches, um, having a, like a cannabis vape pen, um, water. If I am on my menstrual cycle, I really try not to leave the house during that time, but you know, obviously it's necessary. Um, I can't, you know, not work for once a week, every month, unfortunately. Um, but I'll be, bring like a change of clothes. I try my symptoms give me a lot of anxiety too, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. So planning and preparing for them to be at the worst helps me cope with that anxiety. So like having the change of clothes in case I bleed through, having my heating pad in case the pain gets to the point where I like, that's the only thing that can soothe it. Um, And then by the end of the evening, I am like done out of spoons, um, just like totally done. And my husband, my husband usually kind of like takes over once I, you know, like once he comes home, it's like by that time, it's a struggle to like walk my dog. It's a struggle to cook dinner. Um, and not like all the time to the point where I'm, you know, have to sit on the couch, but it is every day by that time is some kind of a struggle. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. That's understandable. And you were mentioning that, um, the anxiety side of things and that, um, I believe you were mentioning the therapy side of things. And I'm just wondering how has your chronic health ebbed and flowed with your mental health or your mental health has ebbed and flowed with your chronic health as you were getting diagnosed as well as now being diagnosed. And then, um, if you had to hide the mental health from your practitioners, if you were having it while you were trying to get diagnosed, that, that kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a great point to touch on, um, especially with endometriosis and 
all of the bias that exists with it already. Um, getting diagnosed was really hard because I, you know, was so depressed and had so much anxiety. There were times that I felt like I was dying and nobody was doing anything about it, you know? And like to sit with that, to like really actually feel that way is like so traumatic. Um, and so I would go into doctor's offices distraught, um, you know, like not being able to get through explaining my symptoms without crying. Mm-hmm. And at first I was completely unaware that that was having some kind of negative effect on the way that the doctors were viewing what I was saying. It wasn't until I was started being told, have you tried meditating? I think you're just really stressed out. You think about this a lot. Maybe you shouldn't track all of your symptoms. Like, and once they started saying that, I was like, oh, this is not, I can't, I can't show them that. Like I have to play this game if I want to get anywhere with this. So yeah, absolutely. That definitely played a role. I feel like, um, you know, I was at one of my lowest points, like mental health wise, but I also became aware that I couldn't show that in a doctor's office in a place that you should be able to show it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so how do you go into appointments now, not showing that as much, or like, have you come up with any tips or tricks on, on how to deal with that? Yeah. Um, so I feel like once I got my diagnosis, I had, so let me back up from there. I had one extremely traumatic experience in the ER, um, where I did ended up getting admitted. Um, but from the moment of like being in the ER, I was treated really like, like more of like a, that I was coming in for a mental breakdown than, than severe pain and an endometriosis flare, um, to the point that like, I was given a sedation shot and not really explained what it was until afterwards. Um, my, they called in somebody to do a colonoscopy, like an emergency colonoscopy, because I was convinced that I had a blockage or something like I couldn't eat without severe pain and going to the bathroom, like a ridiculous amount of times. Um, and the doctor that performed the colonoscopy told me that I needed the kind of help that he couldn't offer me. Yeah, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, so after that ER, or after I got let, and I was, uh, what is it called? When you're let go from a- Discharged? Discharged, thank you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, once I was discharged from that whole stay, I like swore it off. I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to manage this at home because I'm never going to experience that again. Um, and then from there, I went hardcore into researching endometriosis and found um, a specialist because of the online community. So that's how I actually got my diagnosis was like, I like kind of went around the system and like went straight to a specialist 
without an actual diagnosis. I was like, hey, I'm here, help. Um, and so after I got my diagnosis, I thought that was going to change everything. Like when I would go to a doctor's office, you know, I have a diagnosis now. You can't tell me that it's in my head. Right. You, you can't dismiss what I'm telling you, right? That wasn't the case. It was literally like the first gynecologist that I went to after that, once the symptoms started appearing again, um, asked me, why did I go? Why did you travel out of state to go have this surgery? I could have done the same thing. And I'm like, no, you can't even correctly de define right. endometriosis. You're looking at me on an ultrasound and you're saying that I'm fine when like, I know that's not true, you know? Right. Um, and so that was really jarring and kind of sent me back into like a mental health spiral. Um, and once again, I like swore off doctors and ought to be totally honest with you. I'm kind of still in that headspace of like, I'm just going to do what I have to do to manage it, especially because there has been no progress in the medical system of understanding endometriosis. So it's really sucks and like feel so purposeless to go to a doctor that I'm just going to have to fight. Yeah. Um, I have talked to other Indo warriors that have given me really good tips on what to do when I am ready to go back to the doctor. Um, cause I think we all can understand that too. Like there is medical burnout is like so real. And there are times like in your journey where you're like really into doing it and going to the doctor. And then times where you're like, I've got to back off. Like this is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of the things that the tips that I've been given is like, if, if you are asking for a certain test to be done, um, or you want to try a certain, you know, like you want to go to pelvic floor therapy, or you want to try a certain medication and the doctor is saying no to ask them to note that in your file. Oh. So at least that it's just written down. It's there. It's said that, you know, you asked for this and they said no. Um, and oftentimes that alone will kind of change their decision. Um, and then another thing too, was to ask specifically for your doctor's notes, like for their, um, dictate dictations. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there are times that, especially with like endometriosis that you can, that there's like combative patient, you know, um, didn't want to do what I told her to do. Yeah. And those things matter because they affect the way the next doctor is going to treat you. And it's your, it's in completely your right to have that information. Right. No, for uh, sure. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we had, um, uh, somebody, another chronic illness warrior who, who asked for her notes or she was at an appointment and the doctor was like, oh, you have mental health issues. And she's like, no, I I've never been diagnosed with anything. And they were like, oh no, it says it right here on your chart. Cause she was visiting like another doctor who had the same file or whatever. And so I guess they were writing that it was mental health. And then he, this other doctor took a look and and then ended up diagnosing her with something, something along those lines. But um, yeah, just the, the same story that you're saying there that like, it's crazy how sometimes they can write one thing and say something completely different or never, or like fail to mention whatever they're writing down for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. And it's just, it sucks that you have to be so on in the doctor's office like that because 
you feel so shitty. Like you, that's the last thing that you want to do is like, you know, go in like with this armor on and like be ready to speak up and like be a firm voice. Like you don't feel good. You want someone to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, ha- you, that's how we want to go into the doctor's office, but that's not how we can. Right. No, for sure. And so, um, I know you've given a lot of great tips of like going into appointments and, and all that. And so I'm going to any um, recommendations you have. And then those really great lines that you shared with us, I'll have it written down and put into the like description of the, of the podcast. So people can refer back to it. Cause I think they're absolutely amazing. Um, but do you have any words of encouragement or advice for somebody who's either starting their health journey, whether it's with endometriosis or anything of that similar sort, um, or just a regular or not regular, but any other chronic health condition, do you have any words of encouragement or advice for somebody either starting out or in the midst of in the thick of it sort of thing? Yeah. Um, Definitely. So I think that I would start by saying, like, please honestly know you are not alone. Somebody else is going through something similar. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but when you really do, like, when you really can tap into that, there really is like so much help in that. Like, mm-hmm. there just feels like there's some, someone's carrying it with you. And like, if you are being medically gaslit, if you are questioning what is going on, you're still fighting for a diagnosis. I feel like that's even more important for you to get into those chronic illness support groups. Look on Instagram, like search the hashtags of whatever it is that you're thinking it is. And like, go ahead and start plugging into those communities now. Because I, I really do think it's like even more important when you're trying to fight for that diagnosis to have those stories that are like, oh my God, I see myself in that. Right. No, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Like there's also like a, a you know, like a sadness because you, you know that somebody else is going through it and like you can empathize with them and it sucks because none of us want this, but there is hope. I feel, I don't know. I just feel like there's some hope in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing that I would say is probably, and this is going to sound really cheesy too, but be kind to yourself. Like you are going through so much and however you have to survive the day, like that's awesome that you did it. Mm. That was like, and I think especially within our, our culture is like so hustle driven and so goal oriented and so focused on like your works are your worth. And with chronic illness that gets so rattled and like flipped upside down. So please know that like your, and your worth is not wrapped up in that and that it can feel like your whole life is changing and it possibly is but you will once again, find like your footing in it and that the chronic illness community is here to help you do that. That's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for all this. I appreciate you spending the time and going through things with us and sharing your story and being open and willing to chat with me. So I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and yeah, I just hope um, this helps somebody listening. 
Wonderful. Okay. So we'll cut it from here on out, unless there's anything else that you forget or whatever, but I do like from the bottom of my heart, want to take the time to say that I appreciate you coming on. I know it takes a lot of energy to be like doing this back and forth conversation, thinking, answering type style, but I do appreciate you, you taking the time and, and chatting with me. I really do. Yeah. Well, I felt like it was a really great conversation. You so too. like awesome questions. I think it's like going to be super helpful. I love it. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. And I always find I've had a few endometriosis warriors, um, come on and chat with me, but, um, I do think that this was the one that was more in depth of misconceptions and diving into what it actually is. So I always love hearing the different perspectives of, um, what people go through and, and how, you all kind of go through similar things in your own way. And I think it's really awesome when people get to hear that they're also going, if they're going through something similar that like they're not alone, like you were mentioning. So thank you so much. Thank you um, so much thank you for doing this and putting all your energy and time into you.